What's up, listeners? Ashley here, and I just wanted to talk a little bit today about something that doesn't get talked about a lot, um, and I feel like it really needs a lot more attention. So what I want to talk about is infertility and how that affects people. So a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which what that is, it stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. And in other words, my ovaries have so many cysts covering them that it inhibits me from ovulating, which is ultimately what, you know, drops the little egg down into the fallopian tube in order to be fertilized in order to get pregnant. Um, PCOS comes with a lot of other things too. It comes with irregular periods, um, very, very painful periods, sometimes blood clots, uh, weight gain is a common one. Um, unwanted hair growth, such as like facial growth, uh, hair growth on the chest and stomach and back, um, a lot of things that PCOS can come with. Um, but the most common one is the cysts that you have on your ovaries. Um, when I did my internal ultrasound, because in order to diagnose PCOS, they have to rule out a lot of other factors. So they have to rule out, is it a thyroid issue? Is there something wrong with your thyroid? They have to rule out brain tumors, believe it or not. They also have to rule out cancer um, and a lot of other factors before they can finally say, okay, we've ruled out all of these other things. We did the internal ultrasound. This is PCOS. So when I did my internal ultrasound, um, when I was looking at the screen with the ultrasound tech, I saw all these little black circles everywhere, literally everywhere. And I wasn't totally sure exactly what she was pointing at. You know, I'm not a professional. I don't know what to look at. But when my doctor showed it to me, she said, these little white things are your ovaries. And the little black dots all over them are cysts. She said, and you see how it looks like kind of like a honeycomb? I said, yeah. She said, that's that's a pretty big indicator that your PCOS is pretty far along Um and your chances of conceiving naturally are pretty low. This was, to say the least, um, devastating for me because I have been in a relationship for a very for quite a long time now with Kevin, and he means a lot to me. And one of the things that we have talked about a lot, and things something that we really really want is to have children. So when she told me that my chances of conceiving naturally were extremely low and that if we didn't start trying to have a baby as soon as possible, then it may never happen, I was crushed. I was scared. I, I really just kind of didn't know what to think, didn't know what to do. So there's a multitude of ways that they can treat PCOS and a multitude of ways that they can help somebody with PCOS be able to conceive. And sometimes the first step is a medication called metformin. And basically what metformin is, it's actually a medication for patients with diabetes. It helps with insulin resistance. It helps counteract insulin resistance. Sometimes with PCOS, the problem could be that my body is resisting its own insulin. So, in order to fix that, 
and to regulate my periods because I was going months at a time without a period and I was going my periods were lasting way longer than normal periods ever should so she started me on the metformin and I started off only taking 500 milligrams a day then it went up to a thousand milligrams a day and then 1500 milligrams a day and finally I am at a dose of uh, 2000 milligrams a day of metformin I take two pills in the morning and I take two pills at night. Um, luckily, the metformin did help to regulate my periods. I was going, my cycles were roughly from 60 to 80 days before starting the metformin, which is not normal. If you know anything about reproductive health, you know that a normal cycle can be 28 to like 32 days. After starting the metformin and being on the metformin for six months, my cycles were at 40 days still. And my cycles were determined to be anovulatory. And that's just a fancy word for my body isn't ovulating like it's supposed to. So my eggs are all there. They're all, you know, chilling up in my ovaries, but none of them are maturing enough in order to be fertilized. So for the six months that we were on metformin, you know, we were doing everything that we needed to do. I was uh, taking ovulation tests, never getting a positive one, which would mean that I was ovulating. Um, We were doing what they call baby dancing, which everybody knows. That's just a fancy way of saying having sex. We were doing, we were having sex as often as we could to try to maximize our chances of getting pregnant and nothing was working. And honestly, it was heartbreaking, you know, um, every single cycle was, was really, really hard for me. And I'm very, very lucky to be on this journey with Kevin because Kevin is extremely supportive and he helps me out a lot when I'm upset or feeling depressed or feeling like I'm just not good enough or whatever it may be because it really gets into your head. When you're trying to have a baby and that's something that you really, really want and it just doesn't happen for you. And, you know, every cycle ended in disappointment. I would take pregnancy tests if my period was even just a day late or even if I just had one symptom that was slightly different than my usual period symptoms. And, of course, every single test I took was negative. And every time I would see just that one little line on the pregnancy test, I would break down and I would... I would have a whole crying fit because it's just not fair. You know, I see, and not to say that other people don't deserve to have children as much as I do, but it was extremely difficult for me to see um, my friends getting pregnant, some of them by accident, you know, just complete, utter, accidental pregnancies, um... It was really, really hard for me to see women in the store, women that I don't even know with their babies and, you know, they look exhausted and look like they're having a really terrible day. And honestly, I want that to be me. 
You know, I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, you you say you want kids, but then once you have kids, you don't realize how hard it is. And that's not the case at all. I do know how hard it is to have children. I do understand that raising a baby is not an easy task. But I want nothing more than to put myself into that situation. I want nothing more than to have the morning sickness, you know, the heartburn, the the growing bump, the stretch marks, giving birth, all of those things are things that I really, really want. And I think that the reason I want those things so badly is because my chances are so low and the odds of me getting pregnant on my own without like a doctor intervening are so low. Luckily, Kevin is very, very supportive and he helps me through all of these things. But it's still, it's still really hard. Um, and now we are on to what I'm, I'm calling our next step, which is a medication called Clomid. And Clomid is given to women with PCOS to help induce ovulation. Um, once, and it is taken in conjunction with the metformin. So I'm still on the metformin and it's only taken for so many days out of your cycle. So my doctor prescribed it for me for days, for cycle days three through seven. So basically the way that your cycle days line up is cycle day one is the first day of your period. So as soon as I started my period, I had to wait until the third day, took my first dose of Clomid, I took it at night because I was reading up about the side effects and a lot of women suggest taking it at night to try to avoid the side effects. Well, that didn't really work out for you, girl, because for some reason, it seems that anytime there are what they consider uncommon or rare side effects of a medication... I am that person, that very small percentage of people that get those side effects. And so today is uh, Friday the 13th. Yesterday was Thursday the 12th. And Wednesday night, I took my first Clomid dose. Um, All throughout the night, I had really bad hot flashes. I was unable to really sleep very well. I tossed and turned a lot because insomnia and hot flashes are two of the most common symptoms. Well, I was at work yesterday afternoon and I was feeling okay. I was, you know, getting some hot flashes. I had some cramping, you know, and just some mild discomfort, but nothing I couldn't handle. Nothing that was debilitating or I needed to lay down or take a nap or any of that craziness. However, a few hours into my shift, I began to feel very, very dizzy. And for me, feeling dizzy is normal. I do have a chronic vertigo problem that stems from my inner left ear. Uh, So I do get vertigo quite often. Usually it passes pretty quickly, though. So I, my first thought was, okay, maybe I stood up too quickly. I need to sit down for a minute, relax, get my body centered again, and I'll feel okay. I did that, and it wasn't going away. My second thought was, okay, my sugar might be low. 
because due to the PCOS, I am also hypoglycemic, which means that my blood sugar will sometimes drop. So I did what anybody would do to try to get their sugar up. I popped a few M&Ms into my mouth, took a couple sips of Pepsi, drank a glass of water, and nothing. The dizziness just kept getting worse. And so I sat back down. Luckily, this was during nap time. So all of my daycare children were sleeping. And I sat back down and started to feel very faint, very lightheaded, as well as the dizziness. Started to shake a little bit, which was kind of scary. So I let another teacher know. I was like, hey, I'm feeling very dizzy. I would be I would really appreciate if another teacher could be in the room with me right now. I don't know if I'm going to faint or pass out or what's going to happen, and I would just feel safer if there was another person in the room with me. Um so she was nice enough to stay with me and another teacher went to the staff room and grabbed a bunch of snacks and things because I was still at the point where I thought my sugar is low and there is something wrong with my sugar and I need to eat. So she brought me some snacks and I was sitting, eating the snacks, drinking water, drinking Pepsi and just trying my best to calm myself down because it, as the longer I sat, the worse the symptoms were getting. And once my vision started to blur and I started to kind of see spots, I thought, okay, I am for sure about to faint. I'm... And I let the other teacher know. I was like, hey, if I pass out, there's no need to call 911. I'll be fine. This has happened before. With my vertigo, I have fainted before. And I usually come to within a minute or two and I'm fine. I was like, if I don't come to very easily, then just call my emergency contact, which is Kevin, and have him come get me. I said, but I should be fine. As long as I just sit here and I continue to drink my water, I should be okay. So I I sat there and waited for it to pass. I waited for the dizziness to go away. I waited for the blurred vision to go away. I waited for the spots to go away. And nothing was going away. Nothing was stopping. So at this point, I pulled out my phone and looked up uncommon side effects of Clomid. And of course, listed under rare side effects that you should contact your doctor about was dizziness, lightheadedness, shaking, blurred vision, seeing spots. So I did what any sane person would do. And I said to my, the other teacher, I was like, hey, Miss Katie, I need to step out of the classroom for a moment. I'm going to go call my doctor and see what she recommends that I do. At this point, I wasn't able to really stand up. My body was feeling very weak and I was shaking too badly to really hold myself up. So I wheeled myself out into the hallway with a little wheelie chair at the computer desk and wheeled myself into the staff room so that I didn't disturb the children while they were napping and called my doctor. Um, Unfortunately, my doctor was unavailable, so they left her a message. Um, I don't think they marked it as urgent because after I did that, I waited and waited and waited some more, and nobody called me back. At this And at this point, I had been about, I would say, probably 45 minutes since I had made the phone call, and my symptoms weren't going away. They weren't getting any better. They weren't getting any worse, but they weren't getting any better. 
So I called my boss and was like, hey, I'm not sure what exactly is going on. I tried calling my doctor to see if she had any suggestions. I said it's been almost an hour and she hasn't called me back. So I don't know if you want me to go to the emergency room or if you want me to try to tough it out and stay. But I was honest with her and I told her, I was like, I can't really see very well. I can't stand up. I'm shaking. I'm very lightheaded and very dizzy. And so she said, okay, go ahead, call Kevin, call your fiance, see if he can come get you. She said, I want you to go to the emergency room and get looked at. She said, but I don't want you to go by yourself. I don't feel that it's safe for you to go by yourself. So I called Kevin and said, hey, I really need you to come to work and come get me. And at this point, he already knew what was going on. I had been texting him, letting him know. And he got there within a few, within about 10 minutes and came downstairs and helped me out to the car. So he took me to the emergency room, the newest emergency room here in Lancaster. And luckily they got me in pretty quickly. Um, all of my vital stats were pretty good. My, my O2 was a little low, um, but nothing to be too concerned about. Uh, my blood pressure was a little high, but they said that I was probably just a little stressed out. Um, from the situation, which is totally normal and understandable, considering I, you know, for almost two hours, I was not in control of what was going on. And if anybody that knows me is listening to this, you know that I, I like to have control of things, especially when it comes to my own body and things that are happening with me. So uh, they didn't really do any tests or anything like that. They just kind of assessed my symptoms and I told them about the Clomid and they did a little bit of tiny little bit of research and the doctor said, yep, these are just the rare side effects of the Clomid. He said, I'm going to give you some Valium and some Meclizine and Valium is almost like a sedative. It's a relaxant. They often give it to patients with anxiety um, to help calm them. So they gave me a Valium and a Meclizine. Meclizine is just an antihistamine, and they use the antihistamine to treat the vertigo or dizziness. Uh, that's not uncommon for me. I used to have to take Benadryl every day to help manage my vertigo. So he gave me the Meclizine and the Valium, and they let me sit for a little bit to see if that was going to work. I don't know if the Meclizine kicked in or not because the Valium definitely kicked in a lot faster than the Meclizine did because I was starting to feel kind of loopy and a little silly and kind of giggly and Kevin realized, okay, she's fine now. We can take her home. She's going to be okay. So the doctor wrote me a prescription for the Meclizine, luckily not for the Valium because I kind of felt like I was drunk and I don't really ever want to take that again. But he wrote me a prescription for the Meclizine, and Kevin got me home. Uh, I ate some food and laid down, and I took a nap. So, unfortunately, I was unable to go to work today due to doctor's orders. He told me he wanted me to rest for the next few days just to see how I'm feeling. And so, of, of course, I reluctantly agreed, even though I'd much rather be at work than just sitting here by myself and not doing anything. And... Kevin's at work as well, and he is going to pick up my prescription for the Meclizine and pick up groceries tonight. 
Sorry, I keep getting phone calls and text messages during this recording, which is kind of irritating me, especially because I've been recording for almost 20 minutes now, and it's probably a little annoying to listen to in the background. Um, I am making this recording at home, so if you hear my dogs in the background, I apologize. They're not being very well behaved. They don't like to listen to me when their dad is not home, so it's a little difficult for me to deal with them right now. Um... However, with the Clomid, I took my second dose last night, of course, and I will take my third dose this evening, my fourth dose on Saturday, and my fifth and final dose on Sunday night. So hopefully by Monday morning, my symptoms have subsided and I don't get the dizziness like I did. Um, but with the more common side effects of the Clomid, like the hot flashes... And the insomnia. After going to the ER yesterday and being really, really scared about those other symptoms, these hot flashes are nothing in comparison to that. Um, and really, I, I could, I can deal with the hot flashes. It's not that big a deal. Um, I can deal with the insomnia. You know, that's not that big of a deal. I'll just drink more coffee in the morning if I need it and go to sleep earlier at night if I need to, to try to get more sleep. And of course, the dogs have decided that this is a really good time for them to start playing. So I'm going to go ahead and stop this recording here. Um, I'll pick it up in a little bit once the dogs have kind of settled down because I'm not going to try to talk over them while they're running back and forth and chasing each other around and biting each other and barking at one another. So I'm going to go ahead and pause this here and pick it up in just a little bit. Hi, everybody. Uh, sorry if you can't hear me very well. And sorry it's been so long. Well, it's not been long for you guys, but it's been kind of long for me since I updated the podcast uh, when I was talking about my Clomid. Um, sorry it's been a minute. I got really, really busy with the dogs after I stopped the other recording, and now it's Monday morning, and I'm getting ready to go to work, so I figured I would just finish the podcast episode and just kind of wrap it up a little bit and get this thing published tonight. So, basically before, what I was talking about was my Clomid, and the Clomid, for anybody that takes Clomid, it's going to be different, obviously. Um, Everybody's got their own reasons that they're taking it. Um, Some people have tried other things before they've tried Clomid. Some people try Clomid first. It just depends on every individual person. So for me, my Clomid was prescribed for cycle days three through seven, which I believe we had already talked about. And uh, yesterday, Sunday, uh, today is Monday the 16th, um, but yesterday was Sunday the 15th, and Sunday was my last dose, my fifth and last dose of Clomid. Um, So far now, the side effects are kind of going away. They've not been too bad. The hot flashes are still pretty bad, but I'd rather have the hot flashes than the blurred vision and dizziness that I was having. And all of that has since kind of gone away, thankfully. Um... But after taking that fifth dose, and I'm feeling pretty hopeful. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you know, all of these side effects that I'm getting kind of makes me think, okay, this, <laughs> this medicine must be really working because I've been getting all of the side effects that I don't want. Um, <clears throat> it's 
excuse me, got a little tickle in my throat there. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, on cycle day 10, which will be Wednesday, this coming Wednesday the 18th, um, and yes, I keep track of all of these dates because it is incredibly important for me to keep track of, you know, what day I stop my pills, what day I need to start testing for ovulation, all of that stuff. It's very, very, very important um, that I keep up on it and I continuously remind myself of what day it, what day it is. Um, and even Kevin knows, like this morning he was half asleep and he was, and he said, cycle day eight. And I was like, yep, cycle day eight. <laughs> because yesterday was cycle day seven. So he knows uh, what day it is. He knows what day my cycle we're on and all of that stuff. So we're both on the same page. Um, but cycle day 10 is when we will begin our ovulation testing. So hopefully with this Clomid, I will finally get a cycle where I am ovulating because that has been our main issue for these last six months is all of my cycles were anovulatory. So um, Wednesday, even though it's cycle day 10, we probably still won't get a positive ovulation test for a few days, uh, but it's good to at least start establishing um, some testing. And the more days you test, the more accurate your tests are going to look. Because the way that you have to do ovulation tests, for anybody that doesn't know, is you do it first thing in the morning with what's called your first morning urine. That's, you know, the, the most concentrated urine that you have. Um, because you've been asleep all night long and it's just been building up in your bladder. Um, <clears throat> so I will have to do first morning urine every single morning. Um, I've got to try to do it around the same time every morning. They say it's best to do it around the same time every morning. Um, because if you don't, you could easily really mess yourself up. Um, so my doctor recommended just doing it first thing in the morning just as soon as I wake up. That way we can get the most accurate results. So we will start with most likely negative ovulation strips, which will just look like a negative ovulation strip. There will only be one line or the left line will be a lot darker than the right line. And what we want to prove that it's positive ovulation is for both lines to be really, really dark or for the, for the test line to be darker than the control line. And that would indicate an LH surge, which is the hormone that releases um, during ovulation. And that will, so that will indicate the LH surge, which means the LH surge gives you 24 to, some sources say 36 hours, others say 48 but 24 to 48 hours before you will ovulate. So they recommend after you get that positive LH surge to have sex the day after, um, well, the day of, the day after, and then the day after that. So it would just be three days in a row where hopefully after you get your positive ovulation test on those other days, you don't have to continue testing. But if you wanted to, you could see, okay, my LH surge went back down after those 48 hours. Um, but really, once you get your positive ovulation strip, you don't have to continue testing. Um, some people do, just in case, because they think, oh, maybe that wasn't my peak. Let's just make sure that that wasn't my peak. But usually, if you, if you see the lines and you say, okay, 
that looks like it's high or it's at peak, then you're good to go. Um, sorry, this thing's a little bit sporadic. I'm driving to work currently, um, and there's a bit of traffic, so sorry about all that. My dad also does podcasts, uh, daily drives, Jason Kermeen's, look that shit up. Um, but my dad also does podcasts and he does them all the time while he's driving. And we had been talking about me creating this podcast for a while. And he, I asked him, I was like, dad, how do you do this stuff when you're driving? Like, I don't understand how that works. And right now there's a police officer behind me, which makes me incredibly nervous because I have my earbud in my ear and that's how I am able to be heard right now. So I don't have to hold my phone up to my face. Um, but I swear if he pulls me over, I will cry because I don't want to be late to work, even though I'm already still like 20 minutes early. Um, I'm already on the road, but anyways, we're going to like stop thinking about the cop that's behind us right now and just continue to talk about PCOS and infertility awareness. Cause that's what this podcast is about. It's not about the fact that I'm driving and I just need to chill. <clears throat> okay. So overall with the Clomid and the Metformin, I am feeling pretty hopeful. Um, feeling pretty good. Getting a little bit of a hot flash right now, uh, which is no fun because I have layers on and I can't take my layers off at this very moment in time. Um, cause obviously I'm driving and you don't want to just stop and try to take clothes off while you're driving. Um, but the hot flashes are, are okay. Everything else is okay. And that police officer is next to me now. Okay. Bye bye. He just turned. Everything's great. Um, but I'm feeling pretty hopeful. I've, it's been hard. I can't lie about that. It's definitely been really difficult and it's even harder to be hopeful because I don't want to get my hopes up. Um, you know, a lot of people have told me just relax, you know, just let it happen. But those are usually the people that don't understand what it is that I'm going through. Um, and for anybody that's listening that has suffered from infertility and wants to talk about it, my inbox is literally always open. I love to help other people feel better. You know, I love to talk to other people, especially people that are going through the same things as I am, because I think that it really helps when you have a support system and people to talk to you because some people just don't have that. And for a while, when Kevin and I first started this journey over a year ago, I thought I was alone. I really, really did. I thought that nobody understood what I was going through. Nobody else was going through the same thing that I am because I was seeing, you know, all these other people that I knew that were getting pregnant and having babies and getting married and then getting pregnant. And I'm like, man, why, why is this not working for me? Like, what did I do wrong for this not to be working for me? And for a while before I even knew that I had PCOS, like indefinitely knew, like I obviously knew that there was something wrong with my body for a very long time now. I've noticed that there was something wrong with my body. And honestly, it's been since I was about 16, 17 years old that these things have been happening and doctors didn't want to believe me and doctors didn't want to listen to me. And no matter what I did, no matter who, what I said, no matter who I talked to, 
they were like, no, you're not a prime candidate for PCOS. I had a doctor when I was um, 18 years old. Uh, unfortunately, it was a male doctor, so I think that was my problem there. Otherwise, wonderful, wonderful doctor, a, an amazing obstetrician. But when I told him about my concerns and I told him about all of my symptoms, because despite that I'm not overweight, I have every other PCOS symptom that is listed under the disease. And when I told him this, he straight up looked me in the face, looked me up and down, said, honey, you're not overweight. You're not a prime candidate for PCOS. I'm sure it's something different. I'm sure it's just stress that's causing these missed periods and irregular periods. And I tried to explain to him that I wasn't stressed because at that time I was still taking my anxiety medications. So I was pretty mellowed out. I was pretty chill. Um, but he still was like, no, it's got to be stress. We'll just prescribe you with the birth control pill to regulate your periods and you'll be fine. Because at that point in time, I wasn't, we weren't ready to have babies. You know, I was, I was 18. I, you know, I wasn't ready to have babies yet. You know, I'm still only 20 years old. And part of me wonders, like, am I really ready for this? Am I really ready for that positive pregnancy test to come up? Or am I going to freak out? But regardless, now I have a support system, um, it, which I didn't think I had. You know, I have all of these friends that have had babies. And now all of those friends are like reaching out to me and asking me how I am and asking me how my journey is going. And they don't understand how much that truly means to me. Like, I am honestly, I'm so happy for my friends that have babies because they, they look so happy. They look like they're having the genuine best time of their lives. And I am so happy for them. But I can't help to be a little bit jealous, you know, because I, I want that for me too. Um, but to have those friends coming to me and saying, you know, I, I really hope that this works for you and, you know, giving me their best, it, it means so much. And like just a shout out to those of you that are listening that have reached out and that have talked to me about this stuff. Thank you guys, really, because it means it means the world to me. And I, I wish I could thank you more. Um, but I honestly don't know how else to thank you. Maybe I'll just make everybody some damn banana bread. Cause that's one thing that I'm really good at. Um, all right. 7:48. I still got 12 minutes before I got to be in here. Um, so let's just kind of recap a little bit. Um, for those of you that don't remember at the beginning, I told you that PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. Uh, basically there are just a lot of cysts on my ovaries that are preventing me from getting pregnant. Uh, we started off with the metformin, did that for six months. That helped regulate my periods. It made them a lot less painful. Um, I pass a lot less blood clots, which I know that's gross, but hey, this is, this is the real deal, guys. Like, this is, this is the truth. I, I finally decided that I'm going to use this podcast to kind of document this journey for myself and for others because maybe, maybe I'm, I reached somebody that really needed to hear this. Maybe I can reach somebody that really needs someone else to be there for them so if that's you and you're listening I'm here for you and I love you and you're gonna get through this um but I'm I'm pretty excited I really hope that everything works out the way that I want it to 
and the way that I see it working out. Um, not 100% sure yet, but we will see. Hopefully everything goes well. Um, my next podcast, I will update you guys on the post effects of the medication and how I'm feeling after taking all five doses. And I'll update you guys on ovulation and if that works out for me. Because if that doesn't work out, we got to up this dosage. And let me tell you, if we got to up this dosage, I might die because these side effects that I got were the worst of it. And I really, really don't want to go through it again. Um, But honestly, if it means eventually getting pregnant, I'll continue to put my body through hell as long as it takes. Um, And I, I do mean literal hell. Like, I feel like I'm on fire all the time. But here is to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and having a nice healthy baby. I really hope that anybody that's listening, if you're struggling with infertility and you want to talk, please reach out to me. You'll have my Instagram. I'll be posting this link to my podcast in my Instagram bio. Um, And anybody that wants to share it, please feel free to share it. And I apologize if this podcast was either like too long or kind of annoying because sometimes I get off topic and sometimes I talk too much, and sometimes I talk too fast, so, um, but this is my first podcast, so kind of give me a break, um, it's a little bit of trial and error for me, so, uh, let me know what you guys think, and just remember to be kind to each other, be kind to yourselves, take care of yourself, drink some water today, and just try to have a really great day, thanks everybody.